0: Live from my basement, everybody. Hi. Uh, Thanks for joining us. I'm Patrick Fingston. I write a little newsletter called The Illinois, which you can get at theillinois.com, I-L-L-I-N-O-I-Z-E. We are trying this for the first time and uh, wanted to uh, talk about things that are are happening and and important in the state right now and and do it in a way that it kind of fits in over the lunch hour and and is an opportunity that uh, we can we can talk about serious things and important things in a way that uh, isn't so confrontational, isn't so mean, isn't so partisan uh, but but is also you know tough and fair all at the same time. Uh, today we're, we're gonna talk uh, about guns for for the, the majority of our conversation but also uh, abortion since the legislature is going to be moving in that direction uh, as well uh, over the, uh, next few few weeks and months. Uh, we'll also uh, uh, talk a little bit more on the political side of things with Rick Pearson and the Chicago Tribune here in a little bit. Uh, but first, we're going to welcome in uh, State Representative Bob Morgan, who is a Democrat from uh, Deerfield. Uh, Bob represents uh, Highland Park and uh, the uh, community that was uh, ravaged by uh, a shooter uh, on July 4th. Um, you know, you you represent it now. You represent it in the new map, so it's still a, a part of, of your life, Bob. Um, you know, and and first of all, one, you know, I, I you and I talked shortly after, and and we're glad you and all of your team and 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 family were safe. Um, where were you, um, and and what did you you see and hear, and how did it happen uh, for you on July fourth?
1: Thanks, Patrick. Good to see you. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, I do represent Highland Park, the 58th District, and I was uh, at the Highland Park parade with my, my wife and kids and uh, family and friends, as so many elected officials do, waiting to march in a parade. Um, I was uh, just given the green light to start marching, and uh, we just taken some photos. We have some photos. It, it, the shooting took place at 1014. We have 10, 12, 13, 14 photos we took with people and were given the indication to start marching. Uh, At that moment, um, my campaign manager was standing in front of me on the phone with somebody else who was going to be joining us and uh, turned towards me and yelled, gunshot, gunshot, and had a look in her face, uh, where it was pretty instant, uh, instantaneous. It uh, it was it was a real, uh, it wasn't a drill, that was a real shooting. Um, And immediately over her shoulder, I saw hundreds of people running away from the parade, and also um, almost towards the same intersection, uh, an unmarked squad car flying up the road with its lights uh, flashing. Uh, and so that was that was the moment uh, we we knew uh, there had been a shooting, we heard very faint, um, sounded like faint fireworks in the distance. Uh, but it, it, it was there's was just a lot of noise. So we didn't really hear much. We weren't sure what we were hearing. Uh, and Turned to get my my wife and kids and our, our staff and volunteers all to the train station building, which is a couple hundred feet away, uh, to make sure they were safe. Uh, and then I ran to the scene to see how I could help. That's uh, terrifying, first of all,
0: uh, and and you know obviously we've seen the we've seen the stories and we've seen the the uh, scary you know situation about. You know, folks that have been you know families that were were torn apart, and a you know specifically there was a young child who you know lost both of his parents uh, is, as part of this, and it's it's terrifying to to know that that it's real and it, it happens in in our communities and even in Illinois where where we do have stricter than uh, normal gun laws. So I, I think that leads us into the policy part of here, and and you know obviously I think. You know guns and abortion some of the things that are hot topics right now are very personal and and emotional issues for people and and i think you and i you know with our backgrounds we're gonna probably not see everything eye to eye and that's fine uh because we're grown-ups and we can do that but um i i i wonder you know specifically just in a broad sense from you this this young person. I'm not going to call him a man because he's a, a coward. He, he acquired these firearms legally. He, he passed a background check. He had a legal FOID card. The, and, and much has been made about the, the issue of, of, you know, his dad signing off on that because he was under 21, even though he probably shouldn't have. Um, is this an issue, Bob, for, is, is the law enough for what's happening and what you saw that day?
1: We're certainly not doing enough. And that can take a number of forms, right? So in in three days after the Highland Park shooting, within three days, we had more gun violence deaths in other parts of the state than we did in Highland Park, just three days. So every day there are new shootings and more more people whose lives are torn apart by it. So the idea that this was a one off, that this won't happen again, or can't happen again. And also the idea that we can't do anything about it. That that's not my nature. I also think that the evidence suggests, there's a lot of reasons to think there are things we can do on this issue. Uh, and there's not just one thing. Um, there are a lot of one things that might have stopped this particular shooting in Highland Park. But overall, there are a lot of things that we can do to make sure no other town has this. So uh, I, I don't think this is just a permanent fixture of our lives. I I don't think it can be. I, I don't think that's sustainable. And I think it's our job to figure out what we can change to make sure it doesn't happen.
0: You know, and the difference here seems to be, you know, obviously with the, the violence each week, you know, and weekend that we hear about. And it's not just Chicago, even though a lot of downstaters like to say, oh, it's just all this this violence on the south side it's not it's champagne it's it's rockford it's it's peoria and springfield and and the east east st louis metro east area too those are are essentially handgun crimes committed by people who have those guns illegally Um, so so i think we can see that these are two different two different discussions um, which, of course, you you were named this week to a, a working group in the House uh, that that's going to address um, the you know the ideas of, of whether it's assault weapon bans or or other gun legislation. So we can we can touch on the handgun part of this if we want if we have time before we before we go. But let's let's talk specifically about assault weapons. There is a or, or what's considered an assault weapon. Um, obviously, the AR. 15 style the armalite style rifle that this this person used um was uh you know i think you can probably consider anything shooting a 556 five, round as, as an assault rifle um the this gun you know which I, I don't think enough has been made it's a smith and wesson um uh, mnp which actually stands for military and police uh so I think you know you can have the question as to whether those are civilian uh, civilian guns anyway, but the the idea that uh, assault weapons themselves are, are are the problem I guess is one is is a ban the right the right path because even though these mass shootings that do happen are often perpetrated you know with these style rep weapons it's it's often someone who has it illegally anyway so does it really make a difference to to ban assault rifles outright
1: i think part of the answer is the fact that in less than a minute this individual shot 83 rounds into the parade right there you can hear the sounds and you hear the rapid fire single compression firing and then it stops because he had to reload and he went to another 30, 30 mag. Uh, and I, I just, I think there's no dispute that had it been a handgun, there would have been fewer deaths uh, in the same way that had it been a fully automatic weapon, there would have been more deaths. So I think at least part of the conversation has to be what kind of weapons are there available for anyone and everyone that are making it easier to kill a lot of people. To so. your point, I, I don't know that you know a ban is the only thing, and in fact, I don't think it is. I think we have we have a lot of things we have to look at. And you mentioned a number of them, um, but I also think that we have to have an honest conversation about that, much like we did with bump stocks, and we decided mm-hmm. that, that was that made it into an automatic, a, a fully automatic weapon that that we decided as society, policy wise, in an almost bipartisan way, that just had to end.
0: And that that was everyone from liberals to Paul Ryan to Trump himself that that were were for the especially after the Las Vegas shooting that that happened. Um, The the question, I think, for for me, I think, on when you see an assault weapon ban, you know, it's it's been held up by the courts in a few places. It's been thrown out by the courts in a few places. How do you how do you as as a you know a progressive you know whether you want to call it pro-gun anti-gun you know relatively agnostic on guns if 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 it weren't for the highland park situation how how do you how do you get around that second amendment issue uh because you know i i think it's safe to say the constitution is the constitution and that's what you swore to you know uphold and protect and and so did your colleagues
1: right well, and again, you you and I we just talked about the fact that we we have a prohibition on fully automatic weapons, period. It's federal law, right? So why is that different than this conversation? I can understand people disagreeing with it, and to your point, I think a lot of people will be part of this dialogue moving forward, and they should. And we won't always agree, and that's okay. But I also think the idea that we can't have any kind of regulation that's not based in anything legal or or in terms of you know policy. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think
1: there's a lot that we can do. The courts, of course, are changing and there's the recent Supreme Court ruling uh, about New York's uh, gun laws that of course we're, we're mindful of. And you know, I, I don't have any uh, plans to spend my energy and time and my community's energy about passing something that is not gonna pass constitutional muster. So we have to be mindful of that I'm an attorney. It's, it's kind of what we do normally as legislators, right? But the idea that we can't have different regulations and prohibit certain types of weapons that also that doesn't reflect where we are today where we're going to move forward um so
0: so there is a bill out there now uh on on assault rifles that uh that would you know realistically ban ban assault rifles uh it would it would make it you know you grandfather some things in in the, that bill the the Aquino Hershawer you know bill that, that's out there right now um, is that the starting point for the discussion? Is that part of the discussion at all as you guys start this working group? Would that bill pass today if, if a special session were called?
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of the items that we're talking about. Um, what I'll be asking our members for, uh, you know, this is a working group, so the idea is we have a lot of different members of the working group with diverse backgrounds, uh, geographic diversity, um, also different perspectives on this issue. So I'm not gonna get ahead of what are we going to do, but I definitely think that is a bill and that's a topic that is gonna be part of the conversation. Uh, But the idea behind the working group really is, there are 11 of us from diverse backgrounds that are encountering this gun violence in a lot of different ways. And I expect the conversation, the topics will be varied as well. Uh, And I won't get ahead of them, but I also, again, I I think that uh, uh, 5522 that Representative Herschauer has and a number of other bills that are already introduced Will be part of the conversation looking at where do we have consensus where do we not and what should we be doing about this
0: the the Armalite style rifles these assault rifles have been made for a long time um you know prior to i suppose you can say columbine is the first you know real time that that this was made on the net, a part of the national stage um what what changed because something had to change something had to tick this box and I, I think that's why you hear conservatives talk about mental health and, and and those sort of of care, even though you you see a lot of votes against it on that side too. Um, what in your opinion you know there, you hear everything you hear video games, you hear broken families, you hear uh, violent movies, you, whatever it might be. what what is the tick up?
1: because it's not just the access because they've been around for a long time. Right, and the idea that you are a gun owner and therefore a criminal, of course, is ridiculous on its face. I don't think that, I don't think a lot of people, I think the vast majority of the country doesn't think that. So being a gun owner in and of itself just means you're a gun owner. You have any number of reasons for being a gun owner. The difference with an assault weapon ban or semi-automatic weapon in particular is millions and millions and millions more have been put into our communities. Um, And it only takes one person, right? So had there been a handgun, involved with the Highland Park shooting, I would have had fewer. I I, I would still have more of my neighbors with me. Um, and, you know, there's certainly a certain level. Sometimes it's in every 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 one of these criminals that commits these acts, they have their own motivations, their own challenges, their own reasons for doing it, and how they do it. Uh, but the, the goal is the same in every one of those instances, which is to kill as many people as possible.
0: Before we let you go. Um the state police did uh, file an emergency rule um, to, to basically allow them to stop a, a kid like this, this person in Highland Park from getting a FOID card to access guns legally. Is, is that a, a, a enough of a step in the right direction for you or or should any permanent rule or any sort of law along the lines of FOID uh, be more more specific?
1: I thought it was a good step. I think the Illinois State Police has been working on this issue for the last couple of years. Obviously, the General Assembly has been working on, on the FOID processes and applications for a while now, and quite intensely, and in passing a number of laws that I think have made it a lot better, and getting rid of the backlog, and following up on what happened in Aurora, Illinois, where somebody had a FOID card revoked but didn't have the weapon uh, returned or confiscated. Right? So so we identified things as we go. I thought the emergency rule made sense and was much more flexible to let the professionals like the state police make a decision in situations like this where there may be clear and present danger. And in that situation, someone shouldn't have a legal firearm. Uh, And so that I think was a good step forward. Uh, It certainly is not the only thing we're looking at doing. Uh, And I think this working group is going to be working with quite a bit of urgency. I'll be pushing them to do it urgently, but also I'm not really interested in half measures. My, My district won't stand for it. So.
0: Before we let you go, uh, I want to, you know, because a a lot of my readers, obviously, you know, half probably are are conservative or pro-gun, whether they're they're pro-gun control or or not is, you know, a, a, a different question. But there seems to be a sentiment among conservatives or Republicans that that liberal, progressive, suburban Chicago politicians hate them and want to take away all their guns. You know, you and I have only known each other a a year or two now, but I I know you well enough to know that you don't hate those people. So, so what's, what's the message to people that you might disagree with as you go into this conversation? Because I, I, I get the sense that there's going to be a, well, those Democrats just want to take our guns sort of, sort of conversation, which I think you and I both know, isn't the, the the actual discussion
1: here. I work with a lot of people in the Illinois General Assembly that disagree with me and sometimes disagree vehemently and sometimes disagree with everything. Uh, but I work with them all the same and I can learn from them and they learn from me. And I, some of my closest relationships in the General Assembly are, are Republicans from different parts of the state, because frankly, I can learn more from them because I, I'm not necessarily surrounded by... The issues and the the constituent needs that that i have here um, i think moving forward we will be moving forward with having conversations with a lot of people that disagree with me and that i disagree with and that's the way it's supposed to work um, but i also think at the same time my message on this particular issue is that this fourth of july shooting would have and could have and, and can happen anywhere in the state anywhere and that, in some ways, I think is why so many people see what happened in Highland Park with perhaps a new lens and not just the, the day-to-day numbness of gun violence. This could have happened anywhere. This absolutely could have. And God forbid it happens again in one of their communities. And so what I'm hearing from from people all over the state, Republicans included, are, you know, we don't want this to happen here. How do we? How do we, we don't want our guns taken away, but we also don't want mass shootings. And that's the conversation we're going to be having. representative bob morgan uh democrat from deerfield
0: uh bob i appreciate the conversation i appreciate the frank conversation uh thanks for thanks for taking a few minutes with us today and uh i'm sure we'll we'll see you around and and talk soon looking forward to
1: it thanks for having me on
0: great that's uh that's representative bob morgan a uh state representative from from lake county he represents uh represents um the uh um the the Highland Park community that that was directly impacted by by the the violence on on July fourth and you know I, I I think you know our our readers our, our viewers our listeners etc you know and all the different outlets that we touch you know may look at the gun issue differently but but I do appreciate you know Bob having a good conversation with us and, uh, and and being willing to, to chat. So uh, you can see this handsome guy that just popped up on the screen. Uh, his name is Rick Pearson. He, <laughs> he is uh, a great political reporter for the Chicago Tribune, my good friend. Um, Rick, I, I know you, you hopped in for the end of, of, of Bob's comments there. And, and, and frankly, whether you agree with him or not, it's hard to argue with his, his, his interest in some action, is an assault weapons ban the target for Democrats in the legislature right now, or uh, or do you think that they're going to maybe tone stuff down a little bit?
2: I think it's one thing about a goal, and that would be the goal. I don't think it's necessarily an achievable goal. And, and so that, yes, I would expect something to be uh, toned down, uh, but... I mean certainly I, why is
0: I, why isn't it achievable? Is it is it because I mean there aren't a ton of moderate Democrat votes out there anymore that, that could stop this?
2: N- no, but I still think that there's enough uh power and influence of the gun lobby uh that it it becomes somewhat of a, a, a questionable vote for some of these Democrats. These are not uh, you know, all all in progressive Democrats. Uh there are plenty of them, but I don't think it's enough to get uh, get over the goal line for what some of them would like for the, for a complete assault weapons ban.
0: So, so I brought you on to, to talk politics a little bit, just because that's that's what oh, we do. This and, is very much um, a
2: politics too.
0: Yeah, well, and it is part of politics too, because it, you know, it will be the conver- it will be part of the conversation. Abortion will be part of the conversation, even though. Um, If you if you get a sense of what Darren Bailey is doing now, he's starting to maybe understand that he can't talk like a Republican primary candidate in November. And he's avoiding some of the 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 fights that don't help him, whether it's the Adam Kinzinger thing, whether it's the uh, you know, whether whether it's it's not taking Pritzker bait on abortion or. Uh, you know, or, or guns, or, or or some of those things, is is from from your perspective and, and from what you hear, is is there a a tone change within the Bailey campaign that that makes it serious at this point?
2: Well, I think there's definitely a tone change, and and we did see some of that yesterday uh, in his uh, non responsiveness to questions involving Donald Trump, who endorsed him about the activities of the January 6th committee and how some of his regional allies uh, have called that a sham and a a sham hearing and about demanding about Kinzinger being uh, censured by the state GOP, something the state GOP refused to do before. I think there's definite uh, tonal change, although it was kind of interesting the statement when when his uh, uh, Eastern Bloc colleagues uh, called for the censure of Kinzinger. Uh, the campaign issued a statement that basically didn't even talk about Kinsinger, but just talked about the need to unify the party. So then when he was asked about Kinsinger yesterday, he basically said, well, I'm opposed to everything he stands for, which is a sharp contrast of, of the messaging I think the campaign was trying to do. But there was kind of a, a forewarning of this kind of messaging shift uh, in his uh, almost daily Facebook postings where he delivers. A Bible reading where he talked about urging uh, voters not to get distracted by things and um, by that by national politics. And so I, I, I think there's definitely a shift here. The trouble is is that after all he did to get the support of Donald Trump and in essence, bring national politics into the Illinois debate on the Republican side, Uh, You can't just walk away from this. And it will be a frequent, frequent question. And as uh, Chris Mooney from the University of Illinois noted, uh, those questions and and the lack of response to them didn't uh, do much for uh, Richard Urban in a Republican primary, let alone what does it do in a general election with a broader audience?
0: Man, we could talk for days about the Urban campaign, but (laughs) let's not do that. Is, you know... I think Darren Bailey is not the kind of Republican candidate that typically falls within the good graces of the Chicago media. Uh, they're a little combative, obviously. Just, just generally, but add the, you know, the the bill to uh, to remove the rest of the state from Chicago or Chicago from the rest of the state, or uh, however they they did that, and 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 add the the kind of southern drawl that, that comes along with it there was a, uh some you know punk columnist that that made fun of his accent the other day and and you know whether in in and just the cultural side of things so do do you think that whether it's whether it's the chicago media that drives the discussion or or voters themselves is is bailey taken seriously or is he just a a, a hayseed with a with a drawl that that ran on trump's coattails
2: well i, I can't speak for everybody but certainly uh, i take him seriously he is the republican nominee for governor in the state of illinois uh, do i treat him any differently because of he's from southern illinois no i mean i spent a good part of my time in central and southern illinois and i I appreciate the regional diversity that exists in this state. But I do take seriously a candidate who is running to be governor of the state of Illinois. And uh, the same as a a Democratic candidate for Illinois. And I don't treat him any differently than I did Bruce Rauner or anybody else. Uh, But there is, to me, an obligation if you are running to be governor of the entire state of Illinois, uh, that you have to speak to everybody in Illinois and speak to them about questions that they have, and so uh, no, I don't. I don't write anybody off. I mean, if after if if the the Trump election taught us one thing, it's you can't write anybody off.
0: That's that's for sure. Uh, definitely, you can't write anybody off until until the last minute, especially when we don't know what the economic situation is going to look like on on Governor Pritzker's yeah. watch. You know, he's kind of a at, at 50 and a little under, you know, 50, you know, just a handful of points above underwater, uh, or above water, uh, on, on, on his approval ratings is.
2: And is Patrick, pr- Patrick, I want just to add so many times, and I, I say this almost every election, so many times there are certain things that happen or that are just beyond the governor's control, uh, that that some event happens, some something uh, of a of a, of a terrible nature happens, and that can change the dynamics of the campaign.
0: And that's the old line that governors are replaceable too. That that you know a a president is easier or is harder to replace than than a governor because you can you know it's it it just means less to you, etc. But um, are the Pritzker people? You know he's he's running around in New Hampshire. He's he's running around to Florida where he gets COVID, which is is maybe the most ironic thing ever to happen in in, in politics. Um, You know, every time he's opened his mouth since election night. You know, he's talking about abortion. He's talking about these these super progressive ideas in a state that. Isn't still still isn't the most super progressive state in, in the nation is is he. Is he taking this seriously or do you think that they that, that those who just say that he's just focused way too much on the presidency are, uh, are are wrong?
2: I do think that their view of the Bailey challenge has basically allowed Pritzker to be able to go to these other states and to try to extend his reach, his influence, Dip his toes in the water. I do think that if it was a much more, in their view strenuous uh, challenge from the Republican side, that that would not even be part of uh, their their political thinking, that it would be a much more uh, Illinois central focus. But yeah, I, I really think the way they view Bailey, we can go do these things, and we're not going to we're not going to feel any effect here at home
0: so does he want to run for president or or is this just dipping toes in the water
2: you ever met a politician who didn't think they could be president
0: or at least didn't want to be someday yeah
2: right um, no I mean, I mean, but,
0: but is it a serious i mean did he did he have aspirations for this or is this just simply biden's numbers are tanking harris ran a terrible campaign in uh in in 2020 and and i i can be the progressive there's a lane for me so so I should look at it. Is 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 that what it is, or did he did he aspire to this?
2: I, I risk of sounding full of cliches in our conversation today, but timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at things like the uh, just a matter of days, the issues of the court uh, overturning Roe v. Wade, followed by the shootings in Highland Park, um, and his response to those. Uh, cast him in a much more active light that a lot of Democrats uh, support and do not find that they're getting uh, from the Joe Biden White House. But you know that that having been said, you know it's 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 keep your name out there, uh, get into places where people can see you, uh, especially among the party faithful. That's going to decide. Future of the party, and uh, I mean, did he always want to run for president? You know, as one of the top Democratic donors in the country, I'm sure he always looked at that aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, before we let you go, um, the the Republican State Central Committee is picking its or central committees from counties are picking their State Central Committee uh, members tonight. Uh, The the state Democratic uh, Central Committee is picking their chair on Saturday. Um, Democrats specifically, this is a higher profile one because this seems to be a proxy war between uh, J.B. Pritzker and and Senator Dick Durbin. So is it starts to it's starting to look like people are are coalescing around Lisa Hernandez a little bit more than uh, than you know anyone did behind Michelle Harris last time so is is are the pieces starting to fall in place for for Pritzker to win this one
2: i'm not so sure and part of the problem is is it's done by that weighted vote and we really don't even know yet what what the apportionment of those weighted votes are and we didn't do know pritzker did pritzker allies did win some seats in the democratic central committee but he lost other seats uh yeah what you're seeing now i, I would say a coalescing of support but also a coalescing of Pritzker allies with uh, the Illinois AFL-CIO with uh, other groups to to push this. They're also pushing a structure that would make uh, uh, Hernandez the state chairman and have uh, Robin Kelly as an appointed uh, federal chairman because of those fundraising restrictions she's under. She said that that was broached the, when she first took the office in March a year ago, and that the DNC chairman said each state only has one chair. So, you know, there's there's also a lot of uh, egos in, in, in this involved as well.
0: You mean to tell me there are egos in politics?
2: Uh, you know, I, now that's just a rumor. What do I know?
0: Does Does it matter in the end who runs a political party infrastructure? Well,
2: I mean, I, I think it's very inside baseball, uh, except for the fact that for the Democratic Party, this is a party that's really gone under some massive change. And, and to her credit, Kelly has received, you know national kudos for modernizing a Democratic party that for decades under Mike Madigan, was merely a, 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 another ex- extension of his fundraising to elect House Democrats to keep him speaker. You know, the, the, he never cared about national politics before. Now the state is, you know, obviously we've got looking at a, a convention for Chicago, perhaps, as well as moving up in the presidential calendar to become an early state. The state is much more involved in, with the DNC on a national level than it ever was under Mike Madigan, as well as, uh, I mean, one of the things I remember talking to her was developing an email list Under Madigan, the Democratic Party of Illinois did not have a list of email lists to go to to inform people.
0: Isn't that something in 2020?
2: Yeah. So, that
0: there was no state infrastructure.
2: So, yeah, none at all. So, there, I mean, there is that argument that she has actually done a lot of work to bring that modernization uh, to a party that was kind of uh, a party organization that was calcified in the 1950s. Uh, But that having been said, you know, it comes down to, Pritzker's de facto head of the Democratic Party. Is he entitled to get his choice of person to run as chair? Uh, Is is Kelly's uh, being hamstrung by federal regulations so tough that uh, the party can't raise money? And it is J.B. Pritzker who is basically the major funder of of Democrats. Uh, But as I think Republicans have learned, you don't want to hit your star to uh, you you want to diversify your fundraising. You don't want to hit your start of one one person, as, as they found in the post Bruce Rounder years. Oh
0: boy, didn't they? Um, before we let you go, Rick, uh, thanks for all the time. Uh, on Twitter at RAP30, uh, I believe. Yes. Um, what's What's the one thing that that is important in November? Whether it's a race, whether it's an issue, whether it's it's something. What's something nobody's talking about that is uh, incredibly important and we should be talking about? The
2: Supreme Court races, I think. I teed that up for you. Well, I, I, I really think because of the fact of the redrawing of those boundaries and given the long time and basically almost constitutionally established Democratic majority as a result of Cook County getting three of the three seats on the court, uh, but yeah i think the real attention uh that won't be focused on is going to be about the supreme court and right. the political We're, destiny of that
0: yeah and and you've got two you know really huge races potentially i think i think republicans are less bullish on the second district now that i uh,
2: i that would Mark think, Curran i would think so as well
0: beat beat their golden boy and and dan Shanes, who I, I talked to Dan Chains last year and thought he was a, a brilliant guy. Um, and, and then there's the the third with with uh, Mike Burke and um, Mary Kay O'Brien, who is an incredibly well-liked political figure in that neck of the woods. So uh, these they're, they're going to be expensive, brawling battles uh, come November. I think you're absolutely right on that, Rick. So Rick Pearson from the Chicago Tribune, my friend, as always, thanks for the conversation.
2: Thank you, Patrick.
0: Great. That's, uh, that's our good friend Rick Pearson from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, a couple of comments that have come in. You're missing what this is about. Robin Kelly supported Dan Biss in the primary. Uh, the chairman of the state party would be a DNC voting member slash superdelegate and Pritzker wants to run for president. Well, it's not like Robin Kelly's not going to support a candidate from Illinois. If, if she's still the, uh, if she's still the the chair, I mean, if, if, if uh, if JB Pritzker is still in, in in contention or or you know part of the conversation in in 2024 that would would make him somebody that could be uh, you know a, a legitimate contender, then then it would be it, w- it would be silly for a, a chair Robin Kelly or a chair Lisa Hernandez or a a chair anybody to to not want to be part of that 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 conversation and to be on board with uh with a a native son who who is uh theoretically winning primaries and 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 being a part of it so uh, thanks so much for for watching for those of you that, that jumped in today i'd love to hear your comments uh drop us a note at a uh, mailbag at the illinois.com uh, i, I want to hear hear your thoughts see if you liked this See if you want us to keep doing it see if we, we can we can make it better uh, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying new things. Uh, some, some that have been tried in in this this political world before, and some that haven't. So, uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, drop me a note uh, anytime, uh, or uh, your thoughts for for the show. So, we'll we'll try it again next Wednesday, um, and uh, look forward to to having you there. Uh, sign up for the newsletter at theillinois.com dot uh, com. It's uh, up in the top right corner if you go to theillinois.com Just click uh, click the free version. You get our stuff on Mondays, Tuesdays and uh, Thursdays Uh, and then paid subscribers, of course, uh, get the special stuff on Wednesdays and Fridays. So thanks, everyone, uh, for for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for the conversation. And uh, thanks to Bob Morgan. Thanks to Rick Pearson. Uh, Really do appreciate it. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks so much.